You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Your Best Life, Part 4 of 4. Enjoy. Okay. So we're going to finish up. Uh, we, we started a series and we've had some uh, Mary Frances uh, Varallo come uh, in the end of January and we had another message for last Sunday, Love Sunday. But we want to finish up our series entitled, Your Best Life. So this is part four. It'll be the final message in, your, in this series, Your Best Life. And uh, keep in mind that these messages are available for free on our website. You can listen to them. Uh, just go to highwaychurch.us and click on the media and then select your, how you'd like to listen to them. They're in the iTunes. Uh, they're po- on Apple Podcasts as well. And uh, you can just subscribe, and every new message we release will show up, and you'll be ready to, to eat some fresh hot Jesus, all right? So it, it's good to, to not look back, but to look forward, because your best life is in front of you, not behind you. But you've got to be willing to let go of some stuff maybe you used to be fond of, because your best life it is, is not an okay life. It's not a life that's a little better than what your parents had. Your best life is you experiencing the fullness of all that you were made for. Your best life is you living to the fullness of your potential. It's every gift inside of you employed to the fullest. It's you being at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things. It's your best life. And Jesus wants to lead you into the center of that. But if you keep looking back, you're going to miss it. Are you going to trip over something that's in front of you? Because you can't walk forward when you're looking backwards. There's nothing back you for. Remember the victories in your life. Remember the good things and celebrate what God has done. But keep your eyes forward. Are you ready? Your best life is lived when you choose to make God's presence the focus of your life. When God's presence becomes the focus of your life, your best life begins. Now, when God's presence, and I'm not talking about a statue. I'm not talking about a religious artifact. I'm talking about living, breathing, fresh, hot Jesus. When you make his presence the focus of your life, what's important to him becomes important to you. Because you want more of him. And you won't settle for less of him. And if anyone tries to keep you from having more of him, you won't stand for it. You become feisty when God's presence is the focus of your life. Because once you taste him, you're ruined. It's like Chick-fil-A lemonade. Once you have that, you're ruined. I, I went to Wendy's a week or so ago and had their lemonade. I'm like, please. Not even close, right? Once you taste and see how good the presence 
of God, not religion. The, the tangible, manifest presence of God in your life daily. You'll never want anything else. You'll never settle for anything less. Most of the body of Christ has settled for man's tradition. We're not going to do that here. We want the living presence of God. We want a, a, a relationship with him that's alive and hot. Okay? So there's a lot of good news here. You don't have to search for his presence. <gasps> what? You don't. He's not hiding. There's no hide and seek with God. You don't have to search for his presence. Why? He's revealed himself to the whole world. How? Through his son. God has revealed his nature and his will very clearly through his son. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus has re removed the mystery that used to surround God, he's removed that. The mystery regarding God's will and God's nature has been removed through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. God is not mysterious. Religion makes him to be that way. God has revealed his heart, his will, and his nature to you. Through his son. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God after he spoke long ago. To the fathers. In the prophets in many portions. And in many ways. This is before Jesus came. Verse 2. In these last days. Has spoken to us how? In his son. Right? And, and where can we read about his son? In the Taunton Gazette. Is there a Taunton Gazette? I don't know. <laughs> in the scriptures, right? He's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Now, before we read the next verse, I want you to know this is the verse, verse 3, that brought me from sickness into divine health. Because I grew up sick most of my life, but I thought maybe God wanted me that way. And I had been told and heard things like that. You know, God uses sickness to teach you things. So I was, okay, well, if that's what he does, then who am I to argue with him, right? And then the Lord opened my eyes to this next verse. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus, and you can read all about it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, the first five books of the New Testament. He's also in every other book in the Bible. He is the exact representation of God's nature. So I started reading through the Gospels, and I couldn't find one place where Jesus made one person sick. Amen. Why did ministers say that? 
They were wrong. They didn't know him well enough. They based what they believed about Jesus on what they'd been through or on what they were told by others. You don't want to do that. Don't ever base what you believe about God and his will for you based on what you've been through or based on what a minister says. Base what you believe only on the person and ministry of Jesus Christ because he is the exact representation of God's nature. Isn't that good? So what is the most powerful way to experience, what is the most, what's the most powerful way for God to reveal himself to you? If God's presence becomes our focus, how do we experience his presence? Do we have to dig a, a big deep trench and go down into the earth or do we have to climb a high mountain or sail the, the seven seas? Where do we go? How does God reveal his presence to us? Through incense and candles? How does he do it? Through Jesus. See, religion hates this because they, 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 they've got so many plans and systems for you to, and hoops to jump through, but it's so simple. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to pay any dues. Just go to Jesus. And you'll see very clearly how much God loves you. Isn't that awesome? Now, Jesus, the scriptures call him the word of God. Why do the scriptures call him the word of God? Because words are expressions from our heart. Right? Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So word, Jesus is the expression of God's heart. Okay? He's the word of God. Jesus is the living word. And you know, the Bible is the written word. I know the Bible has been mistaught. Oh boy, has it ever. I know the Bible has been used to condemn people. But I want you, now you got to be willing to do this. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right, right. right, Zahara? All right. <laughs> in other words, there are things that happen in churches that should never happen in churches. There are things that are taught that should never come from a pulpit. What you've got to do is separate all that stuff from the real Jesus. Okay? You've got to let go of the junk and keep Jesus. Okay? So really, the Bible is not the problem. The problem is man's wrong thinking. Man's darkened understanding. Are you telling me a, a minister can, can have a dark understanding of God? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot of them do. Very dark understandings of God. Very dark. And they got it from the, the seminary they went to or the training they had. Because it's based on their tradition, not on the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. Are you doing okay? It changes. So if you're looking for the presence of God, go straight to Jesus. Don't worry about, you know, pass and go or collecting $200. Just go straight to Jesus. Just get him. Go right to him. So the Bible is the written word of God. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 24, 
And two weeks ago in our get-together chapter from Joseph Prince's book, Destined to Reign, if you don't have the book, you need it, so get it today, or order it on Amazon, have them get it in a day or two. Destined to Reign by Joseph Prince. It's a Bible study you desperately need. It will change your whole life. If you're not willing to spend, you know, money on a book like that, then you're not willing to, to experience the presence of God. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, so hang tight. The road to Emmaus was the name of the chapter, and that's where we're going in Luke chapter 24. Now, keep in mind, we have in the Bible a lot of different books, 66 total, right? And we have what's been divided as the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you've got Genesis from Malachi under the heading of the Old Testament, and you've got Matthew to Revelation under the heading of the New Testament. Now, um, there's a lot to this book. And if it's taught wrongly to you, it can put you in bondage and kill you. It can. The letter of the law, in other words, if, if this book is taught without understanding the heart of God, it will confuse you. The key to understanding the Bible is understanding the heart of the one who wrote it. Okay? If you don't know the heart, if you don't know my heart and I write you a letter, I guarantee you you're going to misunderstand it because I, I use my own little figures of speech. I have my own experiences and there's probably something I'm going to say you're not going to get because you don't know my heart. Same is true of anything we read. So knowing the heart of God is the key to understanding the word of God. All right. So a, a wonderful little tip, a little life hack for reading the Bible, I'll give you. If you ever come to a conclusion by reading the Bible that, 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 uh, about God that doesn't seem right, ask yourself the question, would a good father do that? If the answer is no, you've misunderstood the scriptures. Okay? Just ask yourself that simple question. Would a good father do that? Would a good father make his child sick? Never then God would never do it. Never. Never. Never has in a million years and never will in a million years. Because he's a good father. Jesus taught us that. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. So in Luke chapter 24, this is, this is very powerful. Now I'm going to see uh, how we get through this. Because it, it, it's I don't want to rush and I don't want to be too slow either. So, <laughs> Holy Spirit, we thank you. You're alive in us. And we thank you for opening the eyes of our heart that we would see you clearly yes. in your word. Yes. That we would experience your presence uh, continually, each and every day, ever increasingly. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, on the road to Emmaus, this is after Jesus has been ministering life and healing and wholeness in the kingdom of God for over three years with his disciples, uh, going throughout all the cities and regions uh, of Israel, ministering. And then he's, he allows himself to be arrested and to be uh, tortured, marred more than any man, Isaiah says. And then he's crucified, but none of that killed him. He let, him a, he let all, of, all of that happen. He went through all of that. And then when, it, when enough was enough, he gave up his spirit. Okay? He did that willingly. And when he gave up on that cross, he became sin and he descended into hell. There are some religious uh, 
ministers that get upset when someone says that. Jesus never went to hell. Well, yeah, he did. He sure did. He died. Can you imagine there's debates about Jesus dying among Christian theologians? How can he rise from the dead if he didn't die? We got a problem, right? It's so, see, truth is really simple. You have to do all kinds of twists and turns in your mind to complicate it. Jesus was separate. He became sin on the cross, the scriptures teach. And he looked unto who he used to call his father. He called him God for the first time. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was separated from him. He became sin. He descended into hell. But on the third day, because he did nothing wrong, there was no sin in him. Grave couldn't keep him. On the third day, the Holy Spirit raised him up. And he was the firstborn from among the dead, but he wasn't the last. I'm one of them. Come on, we got any, any people that have been reborn in here? Yeah. Right? We're his brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. So Luke 24 is after, this is the, he's risen from the dead, okay? But his disciples are kind of, I mean, they're, they're, they're very distressed, discouraged. They don't, they don't understand what happened. Their understanding was darkened. They didn't understand the things that Jesus taught them. So upon this first day of the week, we're going to start in verse 1, but I'm really not going to read all of it because we've got a lot to get through, so I'm just going to kind of scan through it, okay? First day of the week, and uh, in the morning, um, the, the ladies come to the sepulcher, to the tomb, and they find the stone roll away in verse 2, verse 3. They enter in and they find that the body of Jesus isn't there. Well, first of all, that the stone was rolled away is a problem, right? And then that his body is not there is, an, is a big problem. And so they're perplexed in verse 4. And, and suddenly two men stood before them in shining garments. Were these men? They're angels, okay? Angels appear to these ladies. Verse 5, they're afraid. What's going on here? They've never seen anything like this. The stone is rolled away. Imagine what they're replaying in their mind. Right? The one they loved more than anyone else was crucified and tortured. He was put in that grave. Now the stone's rolled away. He's not there. And all of a sudden, there's these shining beings standing in front of them. What a day. Hmm? So they're afraid, and they bow down their faces to the earth. And the angels say to them, Why do you seek the living... Among the dead. Good question. Where do you go to look for Jesus? Where do you go to look for God's presence? Hallelujah. He's not here. He's risen. Remember, remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into hands of sinful men crucified and the third day rise again. Verse 8, they remembered his words. Aha, light's starting to come on and they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest that were with them. So it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them at the tomb and told these things unto the apostles. Now look at verse 11. Their words seemed to them, to the apostles, as idle tales. Isn't that interesting? And they believed them not. 
these women are silly. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. This is just, this doesn't make, this is a fairy tale. What are they talking about? That Jesus rose again. He told them that multiple times. So Peter runs to the, to the tomb and he stoops down and he beholds the linen clothes and by themselves departed and he's wondering in himself what's come to pass. And two of them, so verse 13, here's the road to Emmaus. So two of them on that same day went to a village called Emmaus. I guess, let's see if I remember right. It's about seven miles, something like that from Jerusalem. So it's a, you know, a few hours walk. And uh, verse 14, they talked together of all these things which had happened, right? They're talking about everything that's gone on in the last few days. And to top it all off, the women come back and tell us that they saw shining men in a tomb and Jesus wasn't there. And these shining men talked to them and said that he's alive. I mean, how, how, how ridiculous can you get, right? That doesn't make any natural sense. So, they came to pass in verse 15, while they were commuted together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. Jesus loves to be close to you. When you let him come close to you, he can help you. Let him come near to you. Get rid of your religious tradition and let Jesus come close to you. And he comes near to them and he starts walking with them. <laughs> but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Verse 17, he said, what are you talking about? What manner of communications are, you, are these that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? This should have been the happiest day of their life. But they were sad because their understanding was darkened. So, verse 18, one of them named Cleopas answers, they don't know who this is, they're answering this person who's really Jesus, and they say, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know the things that have happened in these days? Get a clue, buddy. Verse 19, Jesus, he's playing along, isn't he nice? What things? <laughs> he's been to hell and back. What things? <laughs> And they said unto him, I'm concerning Jesus of Nazareth, duh, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And certain women also of our company made us astonished which were at the tomb earlier, and they found not his body. And they came saying that they'd seen a vision of angels. Can you imagine that? A vision of angels. <laughs> and they said he was alive. And certain of them were with us, and they went to the grave, and they found it as the women had said, but him they saw not. So they're upset. They're confused. They're darkened. They're understanding. They're, they can't see who's talking to them. And Jesus said to them, Oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe. 
As soon as Jesus speaks, grab it. Everything he says, grab it. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Now look at verse 27. It says, beginning at Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all the prophets, that's the rest. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, why did Jesus do this? So they're probably walking together for a few hours. And instead of Jesus just saying, hello, it's me. (laughs) Yoo-hoo. He doesn't do that. Wouldn't that have been better? No, it wouldn't have. Here's what you're going to get today. If you want to experience the presence of God, you need the true knowledge of God in your mind and your heart. You need the true knowledge of Him in your mind and in your heart. You can have a experience with God at some point, but if you don't have the true knowledge of Him, solidly grounded in your mind and in your heart, that's going to pass. You cannot consistently, daily experience the presence of God if you don't have the true knowledge of God in your mind and in your heart. Okay? Jesus knows this. He knows that if he just went, ta-da, they might have kind of went, and maybe accepted it, maybe not. But the next day, when he wasn't there, they said, oh, that was crazy. I don't know what that was. I just, I don't know. Jesus knew they needed the word of God in their hearts in order to experience him. So he taught them in the scriptures. He revealed himself to them, not by taking a hood off or this, but he showed them in the scriptures who he is and what he did for them. All right? And verse so he, he acts like he's going to go on to the next village, but they say, hey, come in and, and stay with us. And he, they have a meal with him. And in verse 30, it, say, it says he came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Why did they see him at that point? Because they had the word in their heart. He taught them the word so that they could see and know him. The same is true today. If you in 2020 want to experience consistently the presence of God, you need the true word of God to be preached and taught to you. Not religious tradition. Now stay with me. Okay, don't fall asleep. We got to cover some ground here. God's presence and his word 
are one and the same. You can't separate them. Look at Psalm 138. Psalm 138, beginning in verse 2. It says, For you have magnified your word above all your name. See, if we want to know the presence of God, we need to know what's important to Him. I can't have a relationship with my wife if I don't know what she values, what's important to her. Right? So God's priorities become my priorities when His presence is the focus of my life. The number one priority of God is His Word. Now don't think legalistically. I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I'm talking about the clear, certain expression of His heart. So that everyone can grab a hold of it and experience Him daily. Excuse me. Hello? There we go. (laughs) The New American Standard says, (laughs) For thou hast magnified thy word according to all thy name. In other words, God's word is perfectly consistent with his will and nature. Jesus is the word of God. Sounds like Dylan's doing a snare drum roll up there. It's the heating duct. God's word is consistent with his nature. The New Century Version says, You have made your name and your word greater than anything. So I want to experience God. I need the true knowledge of him in my mind and in my heart. Stay with me. Go to 2 Peter, chapter 1. How am I going to get this true knowledge? I mean, you can go to 10 different churches and hear 10 different things about God. And some of them are conflicting. You've got to go straight to Jesus. And one of the, the, probably, I don't know, the strongest dimension of my calling as a minister is to bring the real Jesus back to the center of the church. Not tradition, not philosophy, not doctrine, but the person of Christ. He is our doctrine. Now, so we've got, God says that his word is his priority, right? That he's exalted and above his name or according to his name. So if I want to experience his presence, guess what? His word becomes the most important thing in my life. Forget religion now. I'm telling you, don't put those goggles back on. So hearing the true gospel preached, Hearing the true knowledge of God taught, seeing Jesus revealed in the scriptures now becomes the priority of my life because it's his priority. 
So now I begin building my life and my schedule around learning the true Word of God. Not religion. Don't go there. Not religious activities. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, we still awake? Flap your wings. You still awake? All right. Verse 2, grace and peace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. All that God did for you through Christ. Peace. That's Iranian, the Greek. Wholeness. Well-being. Prosperity. Be multiplied to you. So these things can increase greatly in your life. You might have experienced a little bit of grace and a little bit of peace, but God wants you to have a whole, whole, whole lot more. How do I get a whole lot more Jesus in my life? Through the knowledge of God. I've got to get knowledge of Him. I have to get it. There's no other way. I've got to know the truth about who he is. I've got to know it. Or I'm, gonna, I'm not going to experience the fullness of him. So if I, get, if I get the knowledge of him, what he's done for me, my ex, I will experience what he's done for me more. Through the knowledge of God, I experience the provision of God. If you don't know that God has forgiven you of your sins, you can't receive forgiveness. Faith comes very simply through knowing what he's done. Faith is not a mystery. There's nothing blind about it. Faith comes from the simple knowledge of who he is and what he's done for you. When I know that he took sin, all of my sin on the cross, and that he gave me his righteousness, I can receive forgiveness, and I know I'm clean. Right? When I know he bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases, I can walk in the health that he provided for me. But I've got to know these things as I know my name. I have to know them beyond the shadow of of a doubt. So all that he's done for you, the abundant life he came to give you, will be experienced as you gain the knowledge of him. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has already granted to us, right, it's already done, has already granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's why I have a problem with worship songs that are asking or singing about something uh, for God to do that he's already done. That's dark. I'm not going to ask God to do something he's already done. I'm going to receive it and enjoy it. Right? Because he's already done it. Seeing that his divine... You've got to see that in the scriptures. See, I'm I'm learning something now. It's already done is what I'm learning, right? Granted his past tense. He's already given these things to us. What has he given to us? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Are you kidding me? No. I just read it. 
This is the true knowledge of God. Untainted. Unhindered. Am I twisting it? Am I trying to add something to it? We're just reading it. Life is so simple when you just take God at his word. Why would I want to complicate it? So God tells me in the scriptures through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Peter, that he's granted to me everything pertaining to life and godliness. And how do I experience it? Don't guess. Keep reading. Through the true knowledge of him. What if I have fake knowledge of him? I don't experience it. What if someone tells me that that God brought that sickness into your life to teach you something? And I believe that. I've just closed the door to God's healing in my life. And I don't even realize it. I think I'm doing a good thing. You see that? What if someone told me, you know, to pay, that sin you just committed is a big one. And in order to pay for that, you've got to pray for an hour a day for the next three weeks. And then after that, you've got to do, uh, you've got to mow your neighbor's lawn all summer long. And, and you've got to uh, pay, um, pay, pay uh, uh, $1,000 a, a month to this organization. And, and you've got to um, confess every day that you've done this sin. And, and I just, and I believe that. Well, if you'll read the scriptures, you'll find that you're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. You don't have to pay. You can't pay God back for your sin. No matter how long you pray. No matter how many lawns you mow. No matter how much money you give. You can never pay God back for your sin. Stop trying. Jesus bore your sins. Receive what he did for you. It's already done. Have you ever worked on something and you're, and you're, you're into the project with time and money and you realize, wait a minute, I didn't need to do this. It's already done. That's frustrating. Someone already fixed that for me. And I went out and bought this and bought that and spent time learning about it. And I go to get it done. It's already done. Save yourself the trouble. Turn from religion and come to Jesus. So through the true knowledge of God, we experience everything he's provided us. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Verse 4, for by these, his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us, that's already done, his precious and magnificent promises. Why? So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that you might experience his his presence consistently in your life. Wow. Wow. So at Highway Church, the promises are really important to us. When we're reading the Bible and a promise of God pops up, we stick it in our heart. We never take it out. We meditate on it. We speak it. We receive it. We believe it. We know it's for us. The promises of God reveal to us the nature and will of God. Another life hack. When you're reading the Bible and you see a promise of God, it will reveal to you his nature and his will. So grab a hold of it. Become a major in the promises of God. They'll reveal to you his nature and his will. Now, here we go. So in order to experience the presence of God, 
Because we want to live our best life. That's what we're talking about, right? We want to fulfill our destiny. We want to be cooking on all cylinders, right? Going forward in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Then we have to fill our ears with the hearing of his word. Now, in order for us to hear the true knowledge of God, don't get mad now, it's going to have to come through men and women. (laughs) Really? Yeah? Listen, God set it up this way. Don't get mad at it. Don't get mad, get glad. God set it up this way. God himself cannot preach to you. He can't. Angels can't preach to you. Am I making this up? Well, you don't want to just believe something because I say it, right? We'll look at two examples in the scriptures, okay? Uh, Let's see how much time we got. Okay. Well, let's talk about Acts chapter 10. It's the whole chapter. You can read it later. But Acts chapter 10, okay? There's a a Roman named Cornelius. And you may be familiar with this account of this man. This man loves God to the best of his knowledge. He prays to God regularly. He gives alms, which are gifts to the poor. And while this man is, this is Acts chapter 10. You can read it for yourself. See, I'm not making it up. But this man is not in, uh, does not know the gospel, okay? So he's praying to God. He's sincere in his heart. An angel appears to Cornelius. Whoa, pretty cool. But the angel doesn't preach to him. The angel instructs Cornelius to go to send for a man who's about 30 to 40 miles away, and they had no vehicles back then. In Joppa, his name was Peter. He says, go send for this man, Peter, and listen to what he tells you. Now, that is so fascinating. I mean, think of the time and money that could have been saved if the angel just told him what Peter was going to tell him. Did the angel know it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not permitted to preach the gospel. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. See, when you realize God's priority, men and women are a priority to God. He loves us. You're important to Him. And He's entrusted us with the preaching of His gospel. So Cornelius listens to the angel, and he sends a team of people 30, 40 miles away, you know, a day's journey or so. They come to to the home where Peter is staying. It wasn't his home. He was visiting someone. And in the meantime, Peter has a vision, which helps him to know that he should go with these people. So they come, and and then they go back another 30-plus miles to Cornelius' house. So this might have been a two, three day, four day turnaround. 
So, you know, we spent some time, we've spent money on the journey, we've got a whole team of people involved. Doesn't seem very efficient to me. God knows best, doesn't he? God wants you to have a relationship with him and a relationship with people who have the gospel inside of them. Peter was an apostle. Okay? So he comes to Cornelius' house and, and Cornelius tells them what happened and Peter begins preaching the gospel to this man and, to, and Cornelius had his friends there and all of a sudden they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like the 120 did on the day of Pentecost and they begin speaking in tongues which showed Peter very clearly that this is for everybody. The gospel's for everybody, right? That's one example. Another example in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I'll give you the the verses, and and you can look at these later. I'm just trying to get through this and get to to the final verses of the message. But verses 26 through 40 in Acts chapter 8. You look at it yourself, okay? Go with the word. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40, you'll see Philip, a disciple of Christ, is transported. Mean he's he's here one moment and the next minute he's in Providence. Just gone. Cool, huh? Like that. He the Holy Spirit transports Philip to the chariot of a man from Ethiopia who had great authority and was under the service of Candace, the Queen of Ethiopia. And this man is reading the scroll of Isaiah and he doesn't understand it. Why didn't God just send an angel there to explain it to him? Boy, this kind of puts a whole, throws a whole wrench into what Joseph Smith teaches. You know who that is? The founder of the Mormon church. It's a cult. Why? He says an angel appeared to him and gave him a special gospel. They don't do that. See, if people know the word, they wouldn't get involved in cults. They call it the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. There's nothing Jesus about it. Right? It's a cult. There's no special tablets that, that some angel gave somebody. That's not how it works. You've got to have true knowledge of God so you won't get suckered into some cult. Don't be a sucker. Hallelujah. So, so the Holy Spirit, instead of sending an angel, he sends people. He will inconvenience people to get them to you. They could be miles away, and he'll speak to them to come to you. I'm one of those people. I can tell you all about it. Hang with me now. It's going to get better. So Philip comes in this chariot. Here's this, this man of great authority from another nation reading the scroll of Isaiah, doesn't understand it. Philip says, what are you reading? And he said, I'm reading this, and can you explain it to me? And, and Philip explains to him the gospel. And he was reading about Jesus bearing our, uh, being the, the, the substitute for our sins, bearing our sins and our, our sicknesses and diseases. He was reading Isaiah. And Philip explains it to him. And then the, the man wants to get baptized. There's water right there. He gets baptized. Guess what happens to Philip? He disappears. 
<laughs> he gets transported to another place. Cool. This is better than the Avengers. This is real. It's real. This is not a comic book. Follow God. Watch what happens, man. You're, the greatest adventure of your life is waiting for you to grab a hold of the true knowledge of him. Get the true knowledge of God in your life and watch the adventure begin. Be all that you can be. Okay, so here we go. Here's the, here's the kicker. Are you ready? So we want the presence of God, right? We want to live our best life. He made us in his image. We want to consistently experience his presence. His presence. So his word is important to us. And now we're learning that people important, are important to him. His, his word is important to him. Yes. People are important to him. The church yes. is the most important group in the world to God. Yes. And I... I know that word has all kinds of connotations. When I say the church, I'm meaning people who are born of the Spirit of God. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, okay, with your mouth, you say, Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life, and I believe that God raised you from the dead for me, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit at that moment makes your spirit brand new. You become a new creation. You may not realize that, but you do. Then you've got to get true knowledge about that so you can experience it, okay? But though that, then you've entered what's known as the church, the, yeah. the Greek term, the ecclesia, yeah. those who've been called out yeah. of the world's way of doing things into God's family and his way of doing things, all right? Yes. Now, how are we doing? Are we still awake? Yes. Need to flap our wings some more? Yes. Listen. Please hear me. I know I'm a, a minister, and, and, and I, this is not a plug to get people to come to church, okay? You got to know the scriptures, and you will see that public corporate worship has always been a part of God's plan, okay? Yes, he wants us to know him individually and have private worship and experience, but he also wants us to come together corporately like we're doing now and worship and experience it. Now here's the thing. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So the body of Christ, not a building. God wants us to have buildings because he gives a place to me, right? He wants us to have the best. The body of Christ is essential for you to experience the presence of God. Look at verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. This is talking about after Jesus ascended to heaven. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles. Now in the Greek, as I've, I've learned and studied, I don't speak Greek, just, just learning about it. There's an emphatic emphasis here. In other words, it would say in English, and he gave some indeed to be apostles, and some indeed to be prophets, and some indeed to be evangelists, and some indeed to be pastors and teachers. Now what man's religion did is they say, well, the apostles were those first 12 back then, and that's it. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. There are apostles alive today. 
There are prophets alive today. There are evangelists alive today. There are pastors and teachers. This is known as the five-fold ministry. If you want to experience the presence of God, you need all five of these gifts in your life. Don't please don't turn me off. We're talking fresh hot Jesus here. Okay? Fresh hot Jesus. And I listen, I get the bad church experience. I've had more than I my share. Okay? I've been really hurt big time in churches. Been in churches for 30 years. I've had some doozies. Because people are in churches, right? And sometimes everyone's in different places and people sometimes say and do things they shouldn't do. They might say and do them to you. Or maybe I'm the one who's housing some challenges and I'm misinterpreting what others are doing. And I've got an attitude and I get offended because so-and-so didn't say hi to me. But they don't have a problem. I got the problem. So anytime you get more than one person in a room, you've got the potential for some issues. Let's be real. Come on. None of us are perfect. Right? But God wants us together. Right? So I I understand. So (laughs) we don't look at each other the way we used to. In fact, let's see if we can do it. Yeah. Second Corinthians. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Second Corinthians. Verse 14. Uh, I, I don't have time to go through all this. Let's see. How am I going to do this? Well, let's just go right to verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Oh, let's read verse 14, by golly. <laughs> what else we got to do, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, this is good. good. This is the message translation. Put it up in the message translation. Verse 14. Christ's love has moved me. To get out of my house and come here. To such extremes. And that's extreme, believe me. (laughs) His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Amen. Amen. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. Verse 15. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. So verse 16 in the New American Standard Translation. Therefore, because of what Jesus did, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Now, so when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about people, not an organization. All right? If you want to live your best life, you have to be plugged into the body of Christ. And don't throw anything at me, but you need to be a vibrant member of a local church. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. That's it. I'm out of here. Listen. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Who are some of them today? Andrew Womack. 
Look them up. W-O-M-M-A-C-K. Now listen. You Google people's names online, you're going to see a bunch of trash by religious theologians tearing down the gospel. Sure. Right? But go to the person themselves. Go to their, listen to their messages. And you look at Christ. You get your Bible. You listen. You see. Are they teaching Christ? I was shocked at the things religious theologians said about some of the greatest Bible teachers of our time. Kenneth E. Hagan, are you kidding me? One of the greatest Bible teachers you'll ever hear. He's in heaven now. Uh, I think he went to heaven in, I don't remember, early 2000s maybe. Kenneth E. Hagan, H-A-G-I-N. Kenneth E. Hagan. If you read every book he ever wrote, you'll do yourself a great favor. Why? What, what's the deal with apostles, prophets, evangelists? Joseph Prince. Now, people get mad when you start bringing names into it. Because they're like, I don't need anybody. I just have God in the Bible. That's unscriptural. God says you need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in your life. We didn't have time to read the rest of Ephesians 4. But it says so that you can be equipped and experience God. So that you can fulfill your calling. So, you know, and, and people say, well, you shouldn't, you know, there's a lot of controversy around Joseph Prince. Don't mention his name. Joseph Prince! <laughs> Read his books. You'll be so glad you did. Yes. I'm not interested in promoting a person. I am interested in promoting the revelation of the true knowledge of Christ. And that's what you're going to get in Destined to Reign. So when I, I, I'm on the lookout for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who have the revelation of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. If they don't have it, I'm not interested. You, they can go on and do their own thing, but I target those, and I listen to their messages, and I study the scriptures, and my whole life changes. Because just like Jesus, Jesus functioned in all of these offices. Just like he taught them the word on the road to Emmaus, these five-fold ministry gifts will teach you the word that way. And you'll see Jesus more clearly. Okay? Amen. You need them. Uh, who did I say? Andrew Walmack, Joseph Prince, Kenneth E. Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar. I know. You say, oh. <laughs> Don't listen to the noise. Listen to the messages that they preach. And then you get your Bible and you decide for yourself. What a concept, right? Don't let someone rob from you. Controversy is the devil's strategy to scare you away from the true knowledge of God. I don't care what their name is. I'm looking for the revelation they have of Christ. And if they don't have it, I'm moving on. I'm not interested in man's ideas about God. I'm interested in the true knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Joy, uh, Jen Tringale, prophet. She's been here uh, several times. She'll come again. Mary Frances Varallo, prophet. Not, not weird people. You, you've seen them. But they stand in that office. And there are things we need, to, that they have a revelation we need. See, now, I'm, I'm in this five-fold gang, and I, there is a gift, and I, I, well, you'll see it each Sunday, but when I read the scriptures, there's a gift inside of me that unveils Jesus as I read. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I impart to you, yeah. to, to equip you and make you strong so that you can fulfill your destiny. Yeah. Yes. 
Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Uh, in chapter 15, I think it was, or maybe it was 16 of the book that we're using for get-togethers, he makes a statement and he says this, if you're struggling in any area of life, any area, financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, materially, socially, professionally, all you need to fix that is a greater revelation of Jesus. I said it before, if I, if I wasn't in the five-fold ministry and I didn't start this church, wherever I was living, I would look for a church like this. Amen. And the moment I found it, I'd plug in, I'd bring my tithes, I'd bring my offerings, I'd listen to every message, I'd study the scriptures, I'd go to the get-togethers, and if it was within 100 miles of me, I'd be there. Yeah. If there wasn't one within 100 miles of me, I'd move. Why? Remember my best life? I want to consistently experience the presence of God, so I need to be hearing the truth about His nature regularly. That's really what your phone is for. Apple doesn't know it, but I do. (laughs) So you can hear the truth. Right? Hallelujah. Your best life is lived when you're in a vital connection to the body of Christ through a local church. Yes. Not just any. Make sure they're giving you fresh, hot, real Jesus and not tradition and the doctrine of man. This is God's plan for you. Yes. Let's pray. Yes. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, you're so good. Lord, we let go of offense. All of us have been offended. All of us have had our feelings hurt. Wah. And we, we're, we let go. But we realize, Lord, we're not perfect either. We've offended others. We've hurt others' feelings. None of us are immune to this. So, Lord, we let go of our past. We let go of the offense. We forgive others as you've forgiven us. Father, we ask you by your Spirit to unveil Jesus to us. Lord, through your apostles, your prophets, your evangelists, your pastors, and your teachers who are, who are preaching the truth about you, who are giving us true knowledge of you. Lord, help us to take advantage of those you've brought into our lives, to benefit from their ministries, that we would be fully equipped to go all the way with you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.